0: welcome to the rogue preparedness podcast now here's your host founder and ceo of rogue preparedness morgan hello hello everyone and welcome to the rogue preparedness podcast i'm your host morgan wait a minute you already heard that from our new introduction did you like it nice and short and quick and just cut kind it of to the point um and I added some music there. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I know a couple of you have, but um, yeah, I just thought I'd spice up the podcast a little bit. Um, I would like to thank Tacticaltorture.com ahead there for new um gear reviews and things like that. It's a great new website, tacticaltorture.com. They helped me with that intro and I really appreciate it. So um anyway, there's no guest. Gosh, I've been having just guests the past like month and a half or so, just guest after guest and I loved it. I've had such fun with these guests. I think that they're so knowledgeable. And I am still looking for guests. And I know that I have some guests in the queue that I need to set up uh, times with, but if you are interested or know somebody who would like to be on the Rogue Preparedness Podcast, if I could say my own podcast name, uh, just have them email me at morgan at roguepreparedness.com or just go to roguepreparedness.com and click that little contact link and contact me. And uh, on that note, I would like to also say that uh, I am on Patreon at patreon.com slash preparedness. If you're interested in supporting me there, I offer daily content on my Patreon, exclusive to Patreon. Sometimes I do talk about what I talked about on Patreon, but sometimes it's a lot later. So um, I also offer a lot of free stuff, you know, just a lot of good stuff for just $2 a month. If you'd like to support us there, really do appreciate it one other thing on my YouTube I'm actually starting my 365 series if you guys are not familiar with that I have done two uh, 365 series and what that means is I've done a survival 365 and a prepping 365 where I've done a video every single day that is focused on some type of preparedness the first one that I did um, was kind of wonky I didn't I didn't really get my stride until like you know a couple months in but um, the second one prepping 365 that I just finished last year, uh, that was a lot of fun, um, and I I feel like I talked really a lot on that, but um, a lot on preparedness is what I'm saying. I, I feel like I I hit on a lot of great points, but there's so much to talk about. I have a whole list of video ideas here that's like... A two hundred ideas long of videos that need to be done, and um, so I'm hoping that you know I really like deadlines. You know I really thrive on um, daily tasks, things like that. You know I thrive on on that kind of stuff. So, you know, organization is really important to me. Blah blah blah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm really excited. I think I'm going to call it Prep Three Sixty Five. I have a pull up on YouTube and on Twitter right now. Um, Asking, you know, what you guys think the name should be when this comes out. I think the name will be decided, but I'm—it's leaning towards what people are are voting most is Prep 365 is going to be the new name. And then I got an idea from the urban prepper where he said um, to do a series and then keep the name and just keep doing it like a seasons, like season one, season two, etc. And I really like that idea. I know somebody, uh, Spirit Forest. She does seasons on her YouTube channel, which I always thought was pretty cool. Season, you know, five, episode two, that kind of thing. Um, So we'll see if I can work that in. And uh, anyway... That's enough admin stuff. Let's get right to the topic at hand. Today's podcast, I want to talk about basic survival tips that every prepper should know. And I think that when it comes to prepping, you know, preppers, you know, really focus on prepper kind of related tasks. You know, the the store the food, the store the water, you know, have a bunch of basic supplies, things like that. And then they rely on the supplies, which there's nothing wrong with that. I've talked about many times before about how our tools of the trade are, you know, our preps, that's, that's our tools of the trade. It's, you know, the things that we prep, it's our food and water. That's our tools of the trade. There's nothing wrong with relying on our gear, as long as we know how to use it. You know, we're using it properly. We're using it often and you know, we're, we're just knowledgeable about our gear. Um, knowledge is very important. You know, skills and knowledge are very important. And so I think that there are some survival skills that every prepper should know. Because when it comes to preparedness, you know, um, what happens if you're in some sort of long-term emergency or disaster, and let's say your food starts to get low, how are you going to procure more food? If you can't just go to the grocery store, how are you going to do that? So anyway, I'm going to talk about some survival things that I think every every uh, prepper should know. The first one's going to be fire. You know, um, we had Justin on and we talked a lot about fire. And I think fire is a really important skill for preppers to know. Um, I think it's just something that... You know, we all have our fire kits and we all love our fire starters and we all, you know, all this stuff, but I think that there's also a time and place for fire. I think that there's a million different ways to make fire and it's very important that we know a variety of different ways to make fire and not just from our standard fire starters, but also by finding Um, fire starters from out in nature okay Um, that's really important you know what can you take you know like for instance I can take the bottom of yucca the really dried yucca at the bottom uh, put some uh, chapstick on it and uh, there's, there's my fire starter right there I can use that as a really good fire starter you know I have a ferro rod a lighter you know whatever else I have on me see so I'm mixing my prepper and survivalist you know mind here right I'm using nature which I know because you know I have that survivalist mindset but I'm also using my preps you know that ferro rod that I have on me or that lighter that I have on me or that chapstick that they have on me right so you're kind of mixing it together I I've always thought that prepping and survival and bushcraft they're all one in the same kind of thing. You know, I've always, I've always thought that, but, um, anyway, fire is a really important technique and I think that, you know, we need to practice fire often, as often as possible. I definitely feel it when I don't practice fire at least a couple times a month. You know, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this fire, I'm having a really hard time getting it going. You know, I, I'll totally admit that, you know, there are times when we've had a really difficult time getting fire going, you know, with Um, even all the proper tools, um, you know, there are a million different ways to make fire and a million different ways for that fire to fail. Okay. And then try fire in all sorts of different weather conditions and, um, all sorts of, you know, physical conditions, you know, try to make a one handed fire. Um, try to make a fire with limited ingredients, you know, with just nature things like that, you know, I mean, get creative. You know, if you're not in a survival situation, there's no need to, you know, be stressed that you can't get a fire going, right? However, before you're ever in a survival situation, do not go your whole prepare proper life or whatever, not making dozens of fires because you're not in a survival situation or you think you'll never be in a survival situation. We need to understand that the more th- times that we practice things, the better off we're going to be. You know, just because you've done it once doesn't mean that you're now proficient at it. In fact, doing it once, you're gonna be, you're gonna have that mindset, well, I did it, I'm done, I'll never do it again. That's what so many people do. Don't do that. Do not get into that mindset. Practice it, practice things as often as you can. And this is especially important for our gear too. Let's say, you know, you've tried a water filter once and it worked great, right? Well, now you try it again and it doesn't work. Why? Why doesn't it work? Do you have to, you know, flush it? You know, is it just not a good um, water filter? You know, what is going on? Okay. And you do not want to find out that your water filter is not working when you actually need it. Okay, (laughs) so it's really important that we continually try out our gear and test our gear and really put our gear to the test and make sure that it's going to be what we think it's going to be, how good it's going to be for whatever situation that we need for it to be good for, right? (laughs) I kind of stumbled over that, but you get it, right? Anyway, fire. Fire is definitely a survival skill that needs to be practiced often. The next one is going to be wild edibles. I am a huge fan of wild edibles, but not just wild edibles, but also like medicinal, um, and just wild plants and, you know, plants and foliage and whatever that I can use to my advantage to make, to, um, you know, eat or for medicinal or to use as fire starters, things like that. Right. Um, Lots of trees have some medicinal purposes. In fact, I've been learning a lot about trees lately. Um, I'll usually go from like one thing to another. So like I am uh, I learned a lot about a lot of um, very desert wild edibles. I, you know, very, a lot, I have a lot of desert plants around me. Um, you know, growing up in, Te- not growing up, but uh, living in Texas for a while, you know, there's a lot of desert plants, cactus, that kind of thing. So I learned a lot about the desert plants. Um, and now I'm trying to learn more about trees. So like, you know, tapping trees for water, I was learning recently that you can only tap trees for water when they are like around a water source, first of all. And second, you can only do it like around springtime. And I think it was like, um beginning of winter or something like that anyway I just remember that spring was like the best time to do it and like pretty much the only time to do it but I I actually practiced on a tree about how to tap it and it's it's pretty simple but now I want to actually try it in the springtime which is about now at the time recording this March of 2020 um you know so I do want to actually try it you know in a spot, you know, with a tree, and it's also very specific trees. I learned that too. You know, it's not just, you know, I can't just go tap a juniper tree; it just won't work that way. You know, especially because junipers are very desert. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of water to begin with. But anyway, um, also, you know, I've been learning a lot about what type of uh, vegetation and stuff would be really good for fire starters. You know, you you generally think, oh, just the driest of the dry, but you know just kind of depends oh also on trees um i learned that some pine trees most pine trees just not not ponderosa pine ponderosa pine can be uh, poisonous but a lot of trees you can act a lot of pine trees rather you can actually eat the bark the inside bark isn't that interesting i never knew that but i i learned that recently and you know just in general wild edibles you know what is edible, what isn't? And my suggestion when it comes to learning wild edibles is get a book, okay? Um, get a book, learn the wild edibles in your area, go for a walk, try to find them. Wild edibles are very seasonal. Um, there are certain things that may be around year round, like cactus in the desert, it's, it's around year round. You can eat raw cactus, but it's better to cook the cactus. Um, You know, be cautious with raw cactus. If you eat too much raw cactus, you can actually get very sick. You know, so if you want to eat like a little tiny bit of raw and then cook the rest or something. But if you have the ability to cook it, just cook it. Um, Cook the cactus. You can eat that. That's pretty much year-round like in desert desert deserty areas. But like with yucca, yucca have little fruits on them that usually sprout. Um, Oh gosh, I want to say it's in... The summer, I think it's in late spring, early summer. Anyway, they have seasonal, as you can tell. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent on that. I I've only started to learn that the yucca fruit are are edible, and then yucca, yucca is great. Yucca has the um, the roots, which can be used for um, uh, flour. Can be ground into flour. Um, oh gosh, there's just so many great wild edibles, but you have to know what to look for. You know, you have to know that, oh, well maybe, you know, like there's one, um, plant called a Yupon Holly where the red berries are not edible, but the leaves can be made into tea, things like that. You know, like maybe the entire plant is not edible but maybe one portion of it is, and sometimes the entire plant is edible. Sometimes the entire plant can be used for medicinal or whatever purposes. Right. Uh, and then sometimes it's just one little part of it. It's just, it just really, really depends. So, um, you want to get a book, read the book, make sure that you are positively identifying the plant. If you cannot positively identify it, do not eat it. And also, just like with everyday food, some wild edibles will not react properly to you. So even if they have no side effects, they say, oh, no side effects. Um, only eat a tiny bit at a time to start with. It doesn't matter what it is. Only eat a tiny bit at a time to start with. And then if you feel okay, you can eat some more and see how you feel from there. But generally, try not to gorge yourself with wild edibles, right? Um, Really learn exactly what you can eat, how to properly cook it, right? I could do a whole episode on wild edibles, but anyway, I just wanted to make sure that you're cautious, um, know how to cook it. You know, if you do have to actually cook it or procure it or somehow, you know, grind it up in order to do whatever you need to do, um, that you know how to do that. Okay. So fire, wild edibles, those are definitely survival tips. You know, wild edibles are great to... Um, supplement, you know, like put in salads to supplement your food, supplement your just everyday diet. Wild, wild edibles are great. Um, one of the biggest wild edibles is dandelions and that everybody thinks that's a weed. And, uh, I don't look at it as a weed. I want wild edible or I I want dandelions in my yard. Dandelions are also good for bees and we need bees. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, the next one, is, the next survival tip is going to be small game hunting. I think small game hunting is really invaluable. Um, a lot of people, when they think about hunting, they think about big game hunting. You know, oh, I need all the food possible. And when it comes to just kind of everyday life, you know, Yes, you know, you want to fill your freezer and that's great. Um, But small game hunting, especially when it comes to kind of survival purposes, you know, if it's just you and your family, small game hunting is going to be um, more sustainable. Not just because there's more small game. it is It can be easier to procure small game than larger game. Um, But not only that, but you have... um, you know, you probably are not going to be feeding that many people and you may not have the resources to, um, to save, you know, all that meat from that big game. So let's say you don't have, you know, there's no electricity. You don't have a freezer. Well, now you have to figure out a way to either smoke it or, you know, dehydrate it, do something to, um, preserve it and make sure that, you know, you're not wasting that meat, Um, so small game hunting can definitely come in handy. And I'm not saying you should never, you know, big game hunt, you know, if you have the capabilities to, you know, preserve great, but small game hunting could definitely come in handy. You know, how, do you know how to, um, uh, procure, you know, squirrels and things like that? Um, I would definitely learn how. And, you know, learn how to make traps or get a trap or, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. Learn the type of bait that they want because every animal would be different. The, the best tip that I can give about bait is give something that they cannot find in the wild, wild right? They can't get peanut butter in the wild, right? <laughs> um, you know, you give something that they both want and or cannot get in the wild. So like, you know, don't give them nuts when they can just get nuts because they won't go into (laughs) your trap for just nuts that they can go find anywhere else, right? So that's my biggest tip on on that. Um, Otherwise, you know, outside of trapping, there's of course, you know, a bow or, you know, a 22, stuff like that for small game hunting. Um, The next one is going to be procuring water. Um, procuring water, like I was kind of saying with the, uh, trees, tapping trees for water, there are lots of ways to get water and it's not always through a stream or a lake or something that's got like that, you know, you might have to dig for it, Um, you might have to collect dew, you might have to collect rainwater. There's lots of ways to procure and collect water, but we have to know about these ways first in order to do it. And then after you procure the water, you want to have ways to purify water, of course, to make it, you know, potable. Um, but you want to make sure that you are actually procuring the water and know how to procure the water where to procure it and the best way to procure it. So even if you do have a stream or a lake nearby, how are you going to get that water from that place to another? How often have you actually gone and procured the water? Because I think that people have this idea of I'm just going to go collect water from the nearby stream and that's great. But how many trips do you have to make a day? And how are you making those trips? Are you putting some containers in a wagon and then transporting it that way? Cause that's great. Or are you just like carrying a couple gallons of water which is expending a lot of energy and a lot of time, okay? So you want to, th- you know, work smarter, not harder, right? So you have to think about the ways to procure water. Um, The next one is going to be making shelter and I'm not just talking about making primitive shelter, though, of course, I think primitive shelter is a really good skill to know. Sometimes primitive shelter is not going to be for a long-term period, or maybe it's just for a short-term, you know, how often have you made primitive shelter? You know, have you gone out and made primitive shelter at all or ever or recently? My suggestion is to go out and just make some primitive shelter out of just stuff that you find on the ground. What can you make? You know, find a log, you know, put some moss and, and, uh, sticks and other things on it and just procure it, you know, or procure and just make it, you know, make it the best that you can, you know, fill all the holes, you know, and make it the very best that you can. And then, you know, spend a little time in it. Um, you know, sometimes these shelters are just temporary, you know, but going out and making them is a lot of fun. There's so many fun ways to make shelter. Um, so get out and make shelter but I'm not just talking about primitive shelter either but try to figure out how to make shelter with a tarp and you may be thinking oh it's super easy but you know there are lots of little situations and things and things that you know might make making your tarp into a shelter kind of difficult so you want to get out there and really test it even if it's in your backyard you know test a bunch of different ways to make um, shelter from a tarp just one tarp and some paracord right um, also another thing about shelter that we have to keep in mind is that shelter, um, can kind of come from anything, you know, what could be used for shelter? Um, a tree, a little overhang, like a cave overhang kind of thing, or a cave, <laughs> um, you know, you're an umbrella that shade, you know, uh, a poncho could be used for shelter, temporary shelter, you know, what can be used? For shelter that's maybe a little less predictable, you know, um, outside of a tent. Now, of course, you know, we do wanna be prepared, you know, um, the very best that we can always, you know, so you do wanna try to always have the proper, you know, gear with you. Even if it's just like an emergency blanket with, um, you know, some paracord or something, know how to set up that emergency blanket because setting up an emergency blanket. As shelter is a little bit different than setting up a tarp and especially way different than setting up a uh, tent. All right. And the last one I'm going to talk about in this podcast is going to be navigation. I think navigation is definitely a survival skill. Reading maps, reading a compass, kind of knowing your general direction and area. That's a skill, 100%. You know, I think that a lot of people, you know, rely so much on our navigation, you know, like on our phone, our GPS phone, you know, whatever, um, that we really do not focus very well on actual navigation, you know, how do we navigate and navigation is definitely a weak point of mine, but I've really, you know, done my best to try to, better myself so that I don't get lost and so that I understand directions better like as in you know north south east west I understand how to read a compass I understand how to read a map all these things you know it's very important that we understand how and and not just a map but a topographical map as well a city map is really great and topographical map will tell you a lot about the area as well you know so uh topographical maps are actually really fantastic once you learn how to read a top a topographical map a whole new world of understanding you know just navigation and map reading opens up um also i have an app on my phone that's called topo plus where i can actually download topographical maps onto my phone which makes it great because then i don't need internet or anything to access topical topographical maps on my phone which is great you know I don't have to carry an entire U.S. topographical map in my pocket you know I have it on my phone as long as I can keep my phone charged right and there's no EMP right um, but navigation skills are really important you know I have a, a compass with me at all times I just posted a picture on my Instagram the other day that uh, talked about really basic compass knowledge okay so like whenever you're about to go out hiking or camping or whatever it is, break out your compass and orientate your yourself first. So what that means is um, you're going to figure out what direction you're, to go, you're going. So are you going north, south, east, west? What are you doing? And then once you figure that out, you know that, okay, I'm going to be going north. So if I ever get lost, you know, my car here is south, right? So if you want, you can orientate yourself to your car. So you know, you can point yourself to your vehicle and say, "Okay, or wherever your home, whatever." And you can say, "Okay, I have to go south in order to get home." That will help you tremendously. That alone is going to help you tremendously when it, when it comes to not getting lost, okay? It's because you're you're taking out your compass and you're saying, "Okay, I'm going north." And that means that if I ever get lost, I'm just going to head south. You know, if you head in the general direction, you'll be a lot better off than if you were to be like, well, I got to go east, maybe. I don't know. You know, and then you're going a completely different direction. You can get even more specific with your compass as well, instead of just, you know, general north south east west right um but of course you know just that basic understanding of how a compass works and and orientating yourself and all that you know um using a compass with a map is also uh really important my best suggestion when it comes to learning navigation or uh getting a refresher on navigation is to actually um take a class take a class physically in person um, to learn the navigation. Uh, REI has lots of free classes, you know, depending on where you are. Um, and then just search like Eventbrite. Um, if you really can't find anything in person, then definitely do some searches of YouTube videos and see if you can find any information there or, and not, or, and get a book on navigation. Lots of good navigation books out there. Um, And then practice, 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 you know, really practice your navigation skills. Um, have someone drop you off in the middle of the city and then, you know, make your way back. Right. (laughs) Um, so anyway, uh, I think that these are really important survival skills. There are lots of survival skills. Honestly, I think that we should be learning everything, you know, survival, preparedness, bushcraft, we should be learning all these things how to make tools out of nature, you know, um, how to use, um, flint and steel or flint and flint, right. Um, how to use these, these really basic, um, survival skills that I think everyone needs, not just, not just preppers and not just, you know, survive. I think, and I also think that survivalists need to be preppers as well. I think we all need to have all of these skills. That's what I think. So anyway, uh, that's it for today's podcast. I just want to thank you again so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. If you ever have any questions, comments, anything like that, please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me on my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, also on my Patreon. <laughs> and please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can also go to roguepreparedness.com and click on the contact and contact me at any time. Thank you all so much for listening. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. Talk to you all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Ask questions, never stop learning, and stay prepared. Conquer tomorrow by preparing today. See you next week.